and our speaker today is Renee. Renee. Um, 15 minutes, okay. if I make it that far. <laughs> okay, um, I'm really, this is my first year, so I'm very, very nervous, and I hope you don't mind, I'll be doing some reading, but um, at my age, I would forget everything I'm supposed to say, so I thought I better have some notes. Um, I'll start with my pictures. Um, it's not very many, because all of these are before I was in program, and a lot of them, either I'm being silly or smiling because I was the typical, you know, jolly fat person, but dying inside. And then the very last one is when I had lost all my weight once in FA, and that's the goal I'd like to get to now. So I will pass these around. Thank you. So, um, you know, I'm talking to a few people about um, my first chair. And one woman here, she's not here today, a wise woman, uh, said to me, because I said, I think I want to start with a joke, because I love comedy, and I don't like, I'm one of these, I don't watch the news or read the newspapers. It's too anxiety-producing. So I think I'll start with a, a joke, because I always wanted to be a comedian. She said, you don't have to be funny. People want to hear the down and dirty about you. And, <laughs> And so what I realized was I need to be serious to start because this is a disease that kills. And in my story, you'll hear what I've done to myself over the years. But I first want to read something that I was handed many years ago in, these, in the program I've been in for like 14 years. And this was one of my sponsors had given me this. And it's called... I am addiction. I hate meetings. I hate higher power. I hate anyone who has a program. To all who come in contact with me, I wish you death and I wish you suffering. Allow me to introduce myself. I am the disease of addiction. I am cunning, baffling, and powerful. That's me. I have killed millions and I am pleased. I love to catch you with the element of surprise. I love pretending I am your friend and lover. I have given you comfort, haven't I? Wasn't I there when you were lonely? When you wanted to die, didn't you call on me? I was there. I love to make you hurt. I love to make you cry. Better yet, I love to make you so numb you can neither hurt nor cry. When you can't feel anything at all, this is true gratification. And all that I ask from you is long-term suffering. I've been there for you always. When things were going right in your life, you invited me. You said you didn't deserve these good things, and I was the only one who would agree with you. Together, we were able to destroy all the good things in your life. People don't take me seriously. They take strokes seriously, heart attacks, even diabetes. They take all these things seriously. Fools. For without my help, these things would not be possible. I am such a hated disease, and yet I do not come uninvited. You choose to have me. You invited me in. So many have chosen me over reality and peace. More than you hate me, I hate all of you who have a 12-step program. Your programs, your meetings, your higher power, all of these things weaken me, and I can't function in the manner I'm accustomed to. Now I must lie here waiting quietly. You don't see me, but I am growing bigger than ever. When you only exist, I may live. 
When you live, I may only exist, but I am here, and until we meet again, if we meet again, I wish you death and suffering. And I'm sorry, I get bad dry mouth. I'm going to have to use this. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So now I'm going to tell you a little bit about my life, my food history, and what makes me qualified to be here. Um, you know, so many people say they were addicted to sugar before they were even born, and or as they were born. I think I was addicted to sugar in my mother's womb because I was always saying, please send down the chocolate. I think we can say that here. And she was a chocoholic, and my three sisters and myself all were. Um, I was the second of four girls, and I always wondered why I was always the heaviest. I think it was because I was the most insecure, and um, I had the most fear from early days. Um, my earliest recollection of wanting to overeat was when I was four, and we lived in the country in Illinois. We moved from Chicago. We moved a lot because my father could never find a job that interested him, and he was an idealist and a dreamer, and he didn't really care about making much money, so um, we had to keep moving for, to find him a job. And it was one night we were out on the porch um, in Illinois, and we were told we could only have one sugar item. And I had a push-up, and if you all know what that is, and I was so disappointed when I was finished that all night long I dreamt of having one that would go on forever as long as I could eat it. So I knew already that sugar was going to be important in my life, but I didn't know what role it was going to play. Um, I remember at the age of five, stealing candy from anyone's home that we visited. When no one was looking, I would put it in my pockets. And um, I think that might have started because my father gave us very little sweets. Like once a month, we had a special treat from a special candy store, and he would give us one piece of candy. And I sometimes think that when you're deprived, you want it all the more. So um, when we were a little older, we moved back to Chicago so my father could find a better job. I was then old enough to walk to the corner store to buy penny candy in those days. I started stealing candy bars when I didn't have enough money, and one time the store owner caught me. He called my parents, and my mom came with me for me to go back to him and apologize for what I did. It was very embarrassing, but that didn't stop me from stealing from other stores. As I got older and started babysitting, I couldn't wait for the parents to leave or the children to go to bed so I could start going through the cabinets to eat whatever I needed. I especially loved the houses where they said I could eat anything I wanted, but I don't think they realized how much that meant um, because I wasn't old enough to replenish it. When I went to high school and had to take buses since my mother never learned how to drive, I always made sure I stopped for treats to have at home as my mom worked with my dad so they weren't home after school. In the last two years of high school, I was on a program where I went to school half a day and worked for credits the other half, so I had plenty of money to buy my sugar items. <clears throat> Excuse me. I can remember at many jobs, even as an adult, for lunch I would just buy big bags of candy before I had a car to go sit in or if there was no lunchroom, even if there was a lunchroom, I was too embarrassed for people to see me that I was eating candy 
for lunch. So I would go into the bathroom stall where I worked, and this is very embarrassing, but I would wait till somebody flushed the toilet so I wouldn't make noise eating out of the bag. Um, I thought I was the only one in the world who ever did this, as I didn't come into a 12-step program until the age of 59. So over the years, I went on every diet imaginable, and every time you failed, you felt a little guiltier. And um, I loved it when I came into the 12-step programs and found out that they said, it's not a moral issue, but it takes you a lot of years to realize that you're not a bad person, that it's an addiction. And like they say in the big book, it's an allergy, and I didn't know what that meant for many years. Um, for my, for my wedding, I dieted down to a size 10. Then when we went on our honeymoon, I ate everything in sight, not knowing how quickly I would regain the weight. And I came home about 15 or 20 pounds heavier after only 12 days. I continued to gain weight, and with my first pregnancy, I gained 50 pounds, even though I was already 25 pounds overweight, and the doctor said I shouldn't gain much weight. It was so embarrassing each month going in and getting weighed, weighed and having gained weight. And um, one time he gave me water pills thinking, this couldn't be what you're eating. You're probably just retaining water. And I didn't lose any weight, so it was what I was eating. Um, and in those days, I didn't know why I couldn't stop eating. Then two years later with my second pregnancy, when I had only taken off about 25 pounds and started heavier, I was worried the whole time I would get toxemia. But this didn't stop me from continuing to eat as I gave myself the excuse I was eating for two. At that time, I ended up at about 237 pounds and thought I could take it off with Weight Watchers. And I think I tried Weight Watchers for over 35 years. And you know what they say, if you keep doing the same thing, I would, I would join one week and then if I didn't lose, I would go to another location the next week and keep going. So I started in Chicago and then ended up doing it out here. And it's pretty crazy what we do to ourselves. At, at one point, I lost about 44 pounds. And I thought, OK, I'm looking pretty good. So I ate one cookie that I had bought for my husband that I didn't even like. And of course, I never stopped. I didn't know I was a sugar addict then. And I got up to 260 pounds. That's my top weight. I remember going on vacation to visit my son and daughter-in-law and two grandchildren in Massachusetts, and this is before being in 12 steps and having major resentments towards my daughter-in-law, thinking why wasn't she more receptive to me and more jovial with us? All those years that I wasn't in a program, I would eat all the way home and keep binging for many weeks to come. I also remember going on vacation with my husband, and when I was binging, I would tell him I needed to go to the bathroom in the hotel but would go to the gift shop and buy some sugar items to put in my purse. Uh, you know, I always thought he didn't know. And I, I think he knew, but maybe not the extent or how much I would eat. Um, many times over the years, I've purchased so many boxes and bags of sugar and flour items that I would finish some in the car and throw away those wrappers so my husband would only see a minute amount of what I was actually eating. And even in recent years, I'm sure my friends don't know all the times that we would, go, I, we would go to their house for a social gathering, and I would go into their kitchens while everybody was playing games and no one was looking, and I would wrap baked things in a napkin and put it in my purse so I would have extra to eat at home. And so um, 
Darn it, now I have to speak extemporaneously. That's all I have. How many more minutes? So now we could do a meditation. No, okay, I'm just <laughs> Okay, so um, I, I would like to speak about how it is now, and I want to speak to um, people who are struggling, people who are new. I mean, I was in these programs for 14 years, and I had lost, in the first program, 120 pounds, and I never was totally abstinent. And that was a program where you had to be totally abstinent. You couldn't take one bite of anything, or you couldn't share, or you couldn't, um, I mean, not share like this, you couldn't even do a three-minute share. And so as I was gaining weight back, I felt like such a failure. And so that's when I came into OA. And I have to admit that OA people welcome you, no matter whether you're at the top of your weight, if you're at the bottom, no matter what program you're in, that's another thing I want to share. There are many programs in OA, and even though this is a how meeting, you don't have to be in how, and I've spoken to people, I, at first I was embarrassed that I'm not doing how, I tried how, and I couldn't do it, it was also too structured for me. But people in how are just as loving, and they're saying, I spoke to one who said, doesn't matter what program you're in as long as you're successful, and as long as it's what works for you. I'm in OA regular, and my sponsor calls it OA classic, which I think is very classy. <laughs> and um, it's because of her, partly, and because of God, I'll speak about God later, that I'm able to do the program and stay abstinent because I, it's not that rigid. I mean, some people I know have to weigh and measure, and I, I wish I weighed and measured everything, but I don't. But I'm losing weight, and my blood sugars, I have diabetes. That's another thing. I've eaten myself into diabetes, mm -hmm. knee replacements, breast cancer. Um, and I, I thought that once I was told that I had breast cancer and I had to go through radiation and it was really horrible, that I would stop eating sugar because sugar exacerbates breast cancer. No, when you're a food addict, I don't care, even with the diabetes it was getting out of hand, I don't care what reasons you know you should stop. It has to be spiritual. The way I stopped was when I got, on July 15th of 2018, when I got the reprieve from God that I was five years clear of breast cancer, I said, the only way I can know to thank you, God, is to stay off of sugar and white flour. And I have since that day, but I do have to ask him for help every day because I have a sick husband, he has liver cancer, he has cirrhosis, even though he never drank. And lots of days, if I wasn't in this program, I would be, thank you. <laughs> I would be in so much fear. Um, but I know God is there to ask him to help you through all your trials and tribulations and working the steps and working with the sponsor who's willing to talk to me every day. Um, and I have two sponsees, and one um, I talk to almost every day, one we text. And so you can work the problem, the problem, 
the program, however works for you to keep you abstinence and to keep you sane. And um, I'm going to read one more thing. It's actually today's reading in the For Today book. Our entire life with our fine moral code and our precious freedom consist ultimately in accepting ourselves as we are. What is self-acceptance? Does it mean accepting my good qualities and rejecting others? No, self-acceptance means taking care of myself just as I am and liking myself with no, and liking all of me with no conditions. I may not like being fat, but that has nothing to do with I can't read. I may not like being fat, but that has nothing to do with liking the person that is me. I am not my fat, nor am I my shyness or my physical awkwardness or my straight hair. There is no far there is far more to me than any of these characteristics. Even if I were to list every one of my known attributes, it would still not reveal all there is to know about me. For today, it is not a sign of pride but humility to know that I am unique and beautiful. Mm. And I just want to tell everybody in this room, it doesn't matter where you are, if you're struggling, if you're, you know, at your top weight, we all love each other in this room. And it took me a long time to feel that. And I want to just put out there anybody who wants to call. I also do a lot of phone meetings. So if you need meetings in between meetings, there are phone meetings that are very inspirational. And um, I can't believe I made it through the share. And um, I thank you all for being here and putting up with me. Oh, thank you.